Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we discuss effectively incorporating emotion and our lived experiences into our work. We take a look at how we create a sense of empathy and awareness in our projects, as well as how we draw from our own lives while also finding a new perspective. So, let's get into it. back we didn't even mention it last week episode 15 barely a milestone but i consider it a milestone no no that's a milestone that's certainly a milestone so now we're on episode 16 so we kind of missed the boat but it's still exciting haven't missed a week yet 16 is also a milestone every episode past well 10 is a milestone so we can celebrate (laughs) it's a sweet 16 there we go yeah and we're going to embrace our, our teenage years by talking about emotions that's kind of a good segue right is that yeah sure no absolutely i mean it's a good segue until i call it out as a good segue but we're we want to talk about the power of using our lived experiences and emotion in our lives uh and just how we're able to incorporate it into the stories that we tell or the videos that we make or music that we make or or what have you Mm -hmm. uh because i mean obviously it's it's kind of a broad introspective topic, one of the more broad introspective topics that we've ever covered on the show. Uh, right. But it, it's something that, you know, we definitely try to keep in mind as we're going through the creative process, right? No, certainly. I mean, emotion is how we can make our stories relatable, right? It's how we can connect our lives to what we're creating, whether that is music or art or some form of painting or, 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 or written word, uh, or spoken word, uh, or even, even our videos and our characters that we're portraying, even if it's, let's say it's some, some marketing video, if we can make that emotion driven storytelling, which is what we're really talking about today, that can usually convey a message that can really bring a call to action that can make us relate and the consumer and the viewer relate to what's going on on the screen. And so I'm mostly talking about my experiences with how I want to create a video, but certainly a good video is a video that the view that the viewer can relate to. And emotion is all about that. And when we share our emotions in those videos, we can make that, that storyline uh, more powerful. Yeah. I, I, I think of, uh, and this is kind of on the lighter end of things, but I was just watching uh, some playoff basketball uh sixers wizards by the way uh wizards were winning at the half uh or winning after the third uh but one of my favorite current tv commercials came on uh Uh which is the progressive commercials where it's the guy uh who's like trying to teach uh people not to become their parents and it's like oh yes 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 yes, they have the wooden signs it's like no fussing and no cussing and it's like throw that in the trash (laughs) and and just just like that the ability to have like uh you don't think of that as emotional but it's evoking you know it's comedy it's evoking happiness or or nostalgia maybe for households that you grew up in uh and so just like yeah i've seen those same wooden cutouts that people hang up in their houses and just the the ability to kind of pull at, at these strings that are uh in everybody's minds uh to just make you connect with your work yep. a little bit more that's kind of a, a 
an instance that I, I was thinking of earlier in terms of marketing. And, and it's definitely even more present in uh, fiction works, like like narrative works uh, outside mm-hmm. of outside yeah. of marketing where it, you know, the purpose of those things is to make you feel something just right. not even try to sell you something through making you feel something, just making you feel something. Right. And and so right. it, it, that's why it's, I'm rambling a little bit, but the, the point is, you know, it's just that goal of trying to create that connection with someone and empathizing with someone and, and despite whatever unique perspective it is. Right, right. And a lot of times that empathy, it humanizes a story, Right. And, and that's how we can connect to it. And it can be powerful. And we'll use the word powerful a lot because I think great storytelling uh, is powerful. Right. And that doesn't have to be a video. That doesn't even have to be visuals. A good book can be powerful. Right. A painting can be powerful. Why else are there painting in the Met? Right. Paintings in the Met. If, if, if that is a storytelling, a creative is putting emotion into a canvas. And if that's powerful... And there's motion, emotion behind it, whether that's emotion from the artist putting that into the painting or the painting invoking a certain emotion out of the viewer, right? And, and maybe that's something that we talk about today is, is the difference between the, the creative or the person, the artist putting emotion into it, driving a story versus the emotion that a viewer or somebody in, uh, experiencing that story uh, is, is, is feeling, Right. So, so really we should be talking about the power of emotion in our lives, Jacob. And then, and then we should try to define that. Do you, do you by chance have a, have a way that you define, you know, emotion in your work? It's hard to talk about this without seeming cliche or overdramatic or something like that, you know, because obviously people are trying to evoke some kind of emotion in everything, but there are uh, movies that's, have more physical sources being the the driving force of the narrative like an action movie uh right. you know that action is what's driving the narrative uh but what i try to focus on in in my writing i guess is having the internal emotion and just reflection drive the character i guess just character driven uh is the way mm-hmm. that people would define that of just not having stories where this this outside thing happens to this character and then something else happens to them and then something else happens to them uh as i'm writing something i try to make sure that whatever is happening in that developing story it's because of what the character puts out into the world or purposefully doesn't put out into the world if that makes sense i try to to make yeah everything linked together so that it's not just man i had a bad week because all of these random things happened to me it, I, I try to make it so right. that it's it's all uh you know branching off of of these actions or these internal feelings that just manifest themselves in, in certain actions does that make any right. sense to you no it, it does because in the way that i interpreted that was if if um if i were the character and I could experience all of that because I am I, I can connect with them. Then when I'm listening or viewing or reading the script that you're creating or whatever you're doing, then I can I could be that character and therefore I can feel those emotions or or start to understand what the character is going through because I could very well be in the same position. Right? And I think good action 
uh, and and um and in like Marvel Marvel and comics and, and superheroes I think when they are done well even though it's kind of sci-fi like and not realistic if it is written well or shown well we can pretend that we are that character or we can step into their world like Harry Potter they as much as there's you know we're not going to talk about the politics of the book and and, and the books and, and the in the in the author but we can talk about the power of emotion in 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 those stories and the power that it has as the reader or as the viewer of the movies to to be in immersed in that world yeah Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, going back to it, you talk about Marvel and I don't know why you've done this. You've given me the perfect through line yeah, to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I'm guns to talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and so good friends, uh, hey, reasons- good friends, good friends will bring up good talking points. For the, for the buddies. <laughs> so here you go. Here you go. I'm setting you up. So one of the reasons Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, uh, especially within Marvel uh, is because his entire backstory and his character essence is so just rooted in being a normal person. Uh, now, I, yeah. I mean, yep. I could go yep. on another tangent of, is there such a thing as a quote unquote normal person? But what I mean is like, he, he just lives out in New York city as anybody else would. He, he starts off, he just goes to mm-hmm. high school uh, and then he goes to college and he's struggling with all, all those things uh, and time management and things like that. The thing is, Peter Parker happened to become Spider-Man. It's not like he was destined to become Spider-Man unless you unless you watch Amazing Spider-Man 2, which kind of ruined that for me. But just the idea that anybody could have become Spider-Man uh, and it just happens to be him. It just makes it okay. so much easier for people to step into those shoes or, or see what life is like for him as he's juggling school work, being a superhero right. Uh, right. and, right. and, and all those things. And, and the way that, you know, the, the daily bugle uh, or J Jonas Jameson. Uh, now we're just going to talk about Spider-Man for the rest of the episode, but, but just the way that all nope. that kind of compounds on him. It's, right. it's kind of the pinnacle of uh, empathic storytelling, I guess, for me, at least. Uh, some might disagree, right. but I, I think there's so much that's relatable, and I think it's just a, a, a really uh, kind of foundational superhero uh, for telling a story that way. Right. Okay, so yes, and there are two different tangents I want to veer off with that conversation. One, is is that the sim- the same kind of thing that the uh, the Percy Jackson character did what did, don't we see him as as a high schooler or a middle schooler and 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 then kind of goes off into the magical realm or whatever uh, probably I've never I've never seen Percy Jackson so or read okay okay well I th- if I recall it's he's like a normal kid and then he gets a pen with a sword I don't know this is when we have <laughs> retractions for next week just in case and then the second part. <laughs> The second part actually refers to you actually write about Spider-Man in Why Men. <laughs> Colin is talking, right? Colin, uh, yeah. or, or his character name uh, what was his character name? Uh, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn Dwight. That's right. So Glenn, Glenn Dwight is talking about uh, wanting to be a superhero, right? And uh, is is w- waiting to be struck by lightning or waiting to be bitten by a, by a spider to 
to allow him to be a superhero, right? And and so you were able to to bring that Im- important part of Spider-Man into your own work, which is cool, first of all, and then and second of all, it's mm-hmm. it's just a piece of that empathetic storytelling or emotion-driven storytelling that's just super cool. Yeah. I, I had completely forgotten about that. Good catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that that's kind of an interesting through line into another thing we want to talk about, which is just using our lived experiences to create meaningful work. Uh, and in that example, uh, you know, using my experience as a big Spider-Man fan uh, to relate to my own thoughts about fitting into this world and, and mattering to the grander world as a whole uh, and just, and using that as a through line to express the, those emotions. Uh, can you think of any times in your creative work where you've, you know, used an emotion from an experience or, or just uh certain moments from your life uh to influence your work yeah that's difficult because what you know you really think of it every everything that we've done somehow is influencing our work or right that's kind of a like a right philosophical thing everything that you've ever <laughs> done in your life is you know stored away in the in the depths of your brain and 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 how it influences what you do next you, you don't know but Specifically, I don't, I can't off the top of my head actually like say, hey, for this specific video, I did this two years ago and it influenced it in this way. But overall, I mean, absolutely, right? Overall, everything that I've created and and, and the, the best people who have gotten me to really create those videos, in, in my case, they were videos, uh, were my college professors, right? Who, who's, mm-hmm. who really told us and, and allowed us to channel our own experiences because it is easier. And this is the most important thing that I learned. It is easy to write about what you know. It is easy to create things about what you know. Of course, you should always continue to do research and make sure what you know is correct, first of all. And second of all, that you can back it up with that you actually know what you know, right? But when you as the writer or the character or the, the creator can connect with what you're creating, that's when it is. Uh, that's when you're creating something that hopefully is. Uh, I don't want to use the word powerful again, but <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> you know, interesting or exciting or whatever you're going for, right? Yeah, and and I think that that's an interesting point to bring up, uh, especially the idea of creating something that's not only meaningful to yourself, like for in my case, bringing up Why Men. Uh, you know that story, mm-hmm. while not directly you know, related to me was important for me to to get out there. We've talked about the idea of just getting something out of your system because it's a specific emotion or or character development that you just want to be able to put out into the world. Uh, but also making something that's meaningful to others and something that's able to connect with a larger audience. Yeah. And specifically what comes to mind uh, is uh, I mean, we've we've talked briefly about our time in choir together. Yeah. We had a, a moment. So as as you're working on all these songs for a concert every semester, you know, you're learning about these composers and maybe what their intention was for the piece and mm-hmm. where they were coming from mm-hmm. as they're writing it. And so it's interesting to think about how the composer writes a piece with this specific uh, vision of it in mind of what it means and where it's coming from. But I think about Inquire uh, before our spring concerts where we would just get in a circle and just talk about this song that we're performing reminds me of this moment for my life. And so that's where I'm drawing from yeah. as we're yep. uh, 
as we're singing it. And then, and then for me, it's this other moment in my life, or maybe it makes me think about the future, or maybe it thinks about whatever. It's that ability to mm-hmm. uh, have a, a vision in mind, but have it be so open to interpretation or connection uh, that I think is, is so important uh, when you're writing something or creating something. It's being able to use your lived experiences to create something, but also leaving that room for uh, for it to take on another life uh, in people's minds as, as they are able to connect with it in their own individual ways. Right. Especially to build off that, especially if that work can be viewed or listened to or uh, interpreted in a, uh, an objective manner, right? Like music, for instance, can be very, like we can all have shared experiences and we can all have vastly different experiences and we are going to put into this music those differences as well as those shared Right, and that's what makes that so powerful. And and paintings, art, art, sculptures, and stuff. Right, due to the nature of a lot of creative endeavors and a lot of projects out there, and a lot of final projects and stuff that we're we're viewing very publicly. Right, due to the nature of them of us not having a backstory for a lot of things, allows us to kind of create that. Our minds, we can start to create those stories, and that and that's how we can then connect to something that is hundreds and hundreds of years old right yeah i mean i I was this is another random thing so obviously i have that foundational uh understanding of shakespeare and shakespeare work and stuff you know from high school just you read romeo Uh, and juliet and the english teacher calls on these two students who could not care less uh and they just read stale from the book so I have that experience with with Shakespeare, but I've never uh, read things like Hamlet or Macbeth or anything like that. I haven't even yep. seen. Uh, I don't think I've seen any uh, like movie or TV adaptations of them either, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I know Lion King is basically certainly uh, Romeo and Juliet. I think there was one. Yeah, there's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, uh, back in the yeah. '90s. But I was just I something popped up on my YouTube recommended uh, recently that was just uh, it was Ugh. Andrew Scott who's an actor uh, who you might know he was in Sherlock he was in season two of Fleabag uh, and uh, a great many things uh, he did a stage production of Hamlet in London I believe it was uh, I think it was 2017 and there are just these YouTube clips of uh, a recording that aired uh, at at some point, and it's just so interesting because you think of Shakespeare on the the surface level as you know the this kind of wordsy old timey way of speaking that you really have to dissect to understand the meaning, especially if you're a high schooler, which is where all of my knowledge comes from. But the way that he was performing right. it in on that stage was he was just saying the lines so conversationally that just made it so much easier to for me to understand uh and that's a play that is hundreds of years old uh that i've I've never Mm -hmm. seen and and i've have that limited experience with shakespeare but that was the first time that i could really connect with a, a, yeah. a Shakespeare work and that's made me want to go back to read something or watch these other adaptations and things like that uh, just that ability to have that longevity uh, as as you mentioned is is a really cool thing about having the empathy 
in mm-hmm. stories that we tell. You know, you know, Jacob, it sounds like your calling is to be a ninth and 10th grade English teacher, ELA. <laughs> uh, Cause yeah. that's exactly, I mean, in my experience, that's exactly what those teachers did for us or, or tried to. And, and that's difficult. Right. Knowing that, that, yeah. that, you know, that's in the curriculum. They, they sort of have to have to do that, but. I don't know. Yeah, think about it. Think about it, Jacob. You could be good yeah. at that. There's a Saturday Night Live sketch when Lin-Manuel Miranda hosted where he plays like the cool, hip uh, English teacher who's trying to connect with these teachers. Uh, yeah, He's yeah, like, you know yeah, who the greatest yeah. rapper in history was? Yeah. William Shakespeare. <laughs> and the students just aren't having it. That's what I think about. <laughs> that's uh, that's funny you bring that up. That's that's good. That's good. I guess to get back on track, let's, let's, let's think further. Uh so in your case, when you're creating stories and you're creating short films or, or, or um, skits or whatever you want to call them, how, how does, you know, when putting emotion into the story, how does that change the development of the characters? For instance, are you thinking about how the relationships of the characters in the story uh, build out the plot and, and stuff like that? Or, or am I just throwing around words that another 10th grade English teacher would throw around? No, no, I, I think that that's that's definitely something that you keep in mind. In my experience, I usually try to uh, envision the goal that the character has that they need to reach by the end uh, and just kind of the, the broad mm-hmm. arc of, you know, this is where the character starts uh, emotionally, mentally, and then this is where they need to end uh, and then just slowly fill in the gaps and, and section it off and things like that. Uh, Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm in his master class uh, talks about intention and obstacle uh, where every story has an intention and obstacle where the intention is just the character wants to achieve this. And the obstacle is this is what's getting, getting in their way. And that's kind of a, a very basic uh, terminology. Uh, you know, it's just kind of a like, yeah, well, duh, but it, it really is something that, you know, you need to keep in mind as you're trying to map out a story and so in my experience, I try to have that intention and obstacle uh, so that I know the beginning and end. And then as I'm filling in the gaps of how that journey goes for the protagonist or the lead character, whatever it is, it really is just mm-hmm. trying to, to look within and think, okay, what drives this character to make a mistake uh, that causes them to go lower that drives them to then come back up to meet right. that goal and and have changed by the end of the story. So uh, it it is a lot of just uh, starting broadly, kind of the inverted pyramid, you know, starting broadly and then just mm-hmm. trying to work your way in to figure out what emotionally is going on in this person's head and why are they making this de- these decisions that drive them to become a changed person by the end of the story. Um, so yeah, that, that's usually how my mindset goes. Yeah. And, and I know we're going to jump into this further after, after the break, but how much of that is created, uh, of their, of their mindsets and stuff like that is created just in writing and, and having random thoughts come into your head of how that, how it's being built or how much is it actually potentially your experience with those developments and stuff it definitely starts as just my own experiences taking on a new form uh and and me just putting them down Uh on a page uh but i i think i usually try to uh, kind of sculpt out of that 
uh, a new perspective mm-hmm. to take within that. Uh, and so it, I think a lot, I mean, I think most stories you'll see will have started from some semblance of uh, this happened to the creator's own life, but then it's just trying to find that right. nuanced perspective so that it's able to uh, connect with a broader audience and not just be, you know, a retelling of this one time I was on a bus and then blank. You know? Right. Of course. Of course. Right. Right. And and the reason I'm asking you these questions are because as the writer, you have to portray these emotions in a different manner than the cinematographer or the videographer, right? For instance, very easily, a cinematographer can get two actors who are sharing a, a an emotional scene and both, I mean, we're, we're real tight up on the faces of each character and we can easily see either happiness or, or pure sadness if they're good characters, right? But as the writer, and if this isn't a, a an action, or if this isn't a movie, if this isn't a film, uh, and this is just living on paper, right? Or living on as music or whatever it's living on. It's a little, it's different. It's harder to make that, I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I feel like it would be, I'm not a writer. So I feel like that would be so different and so much more difficult. Yeah, because... Uh... There is an element of when you're writing something, writing is is basically all internal. You know, when you're working as yep. a yep. cinematographer or uh, something like that, that that's more practical. Uh, you know, there there's obviously still a lot of uh, creativity and nuance that goes in there, but you you have that script to go off of or you you're working with a team of people to come together for a certain vision but if it's in my case just a 24 year old dude trying to write something on his old macbook just straight from his head with (laughs) (laughs) no one no one else in the room to to throw ideas at each other it is hard just to kind of get out of my own head and and not think Man, this is probably a bad idea. It, it's it's hard to just kind of hone in and and think. You know what? No, mm-hmm. I'm going with this direction. And I'm going to write it down, and then I can fix it later. And then and then lastly, what I want to get to lastly is when you are building out stories, and and we're trying to make these stories invoke an emotion from the viewer or the reader. What sort of things are you using? So I'll th- I'll lob out a few things. Perhaps foreshadowing, right? So my tenth grade English teacher will be very excited I'm using that, <laughs> or or uh, and then in addition to that, uh, I guess planting um, tidbits or seeds of information that are going to drive that story further, or even actually I don't, I wish I paid more attention in, in high school during those grades, but are those <laughs> things that that you are thinking of as you are writing? Or again, are those things just sort of happening and it's like, whoa, oh, that was cool. Let's <laughs> let's build off of that. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, you you have the idea of, oh, if I see this earlier on, it'll have a cool payoff once I get to page 35 or whatever it is. But a lot of times for me, I'm already past that point of the script where something might need to be foreshadowed or I might want to include foreshadowing. But then as I'm, I get past this other story beat, I'm like, Oh, you know, what would be cool. It, it's more of like the, the second draft kind of things that, that go in for me uh, it, in, in my early 
stages of a writing career, at least. It's a lot of uh, sometimes spur-of-the-moment realizations that I could put something in this scene that I've been stuck on, but a lot of times it is just trying trying to spruce things up on, on my third pass or whatever it is. As always, if you have any questions, topics, or feedback for us, you can email us at askwtd at gmail.com. But now, we also have something else to involve you in the show even more. Pretty soon, Nate and I will be starting a new segment where we'll be taking prompts from listeners. These could be writing prompts, genres to explore, stories from your life, or whatever else comes to mind. Then, we'll try to come up with how we'd bring your submission to life. So once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com for any prompts that you have for us. Anyways, let's get back to it. All right, Jacob. So yeah, we've been talking about emotion and and how that drives storytelling and how we've been able to, or you in particular, have been able to create emotion in, in your stories. Um now, I think what we should also get to is, is you know, we briefly talked about how we aren't, our stories aren't a mirror or aren't a reflection of us as the creator. And stories or the content we're creating can still invoke emotion and can still be powerful without it being a quote unquote autobiography of ourselves, right? Pieces of right. us are obviously are going to influence the characters or influence the story, but it doesn't always have to be our lived experiences. So jumping forward, how can we as the creator connect with our work without our work becoming us? Or or should I rephrase that to what we have written, connecting with your work without <laughs> your work becoming you? Yeah, well, it is tough. And, and that's something that I struggled with doing Why Men, which was, you know, I that script started with just the idea of I wanted to do something set in a college where a student struggles with their self-identity, which was just so on the nose, close to me, right? And, and, you know, it wasn't to the extreme that you see in the final And a lot of people, right? Yeah, Yeah. right. And But it was just, I was struggling with how do I tell this story without it being the boring thing that it is for me where I just go to a class and go back to my dorm and watch YouTube videos until, you know, I have right. to go do this other thing. Right. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it, it was important to try to not only spruce it up to be more exciting, but also try to bring in a new perspective so that it isn't just a, a, a boring dude going to college uh, and so uh-huh. in that experience, it, it was a lot of just trying to figure out what the, the fresh take was, what the new perspective was, because uh, I think that's the biggest thing uh, to avoid it becoming an autobiography is, is trying to tell that story that you have in your head, but finding a new lens that that could mesh well with it. And for me, it just came from a, a previous sketch idea I had uh, called The Why Men. That was just mm-hmm. about a failed team of mutants like the X-Men, where they all had pointless mutant abilities. Like they could just change their eye color or you you know, shoot a laser this. pointer yeah. from their finger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and so that was a sketch idea I had as a senior in high school. And then 
it was the summer before senior year when I was uh, living uh, up in Huntington before senior year with Evan Quinter, previously on the pod. Uh, and I remember <laughs> he was downstairs uh, just in the living room at like 1 a.m. doing something on his laptop. And uh-huh. I, I had tried to go to bed, uh, but uh-huh. I was just like thinking i was like man senior year's about to start i know i'm gonna do this short film what am i gonna do i don't have anything Uh and then for some reason it just clicked in my brain and i just shot up got my notebook ran downstairs and evan probably looked over at me like i was insane because i was just scribbling stuff down in my notebook i probably still have it in this room just that night of feverishly writing down all these (laughs) like random connections i was pointing like Uh oh i could have it be someone who wanted to be part of this team and yada 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 uh and uh, it's just being able to find that that fresh perspective basically just finding the genre that i i wanted to put that story in uh so that it could be you know its own unique thing does that make any sense uh it makes sense to me i don't know about anyone listening but certainly me i i i (laughs) I love that you told me that about the the notebook, the aha moment, because sometime in the near future, we should totally talk about and dive deeper into what built up to that moment and why did it happen then? And like really dive into, oh, that is what created the whole, the whole project. Yeah. That moment, if you didn't have that moment, it would have been something different. Right. And I think that's, that's fascinating. Now, to connect more to my work now, because I'm not usually the writer. I'm not usually the one. I mean, yes, I've created storylines and stuff like that, but usually it's from a different perspective of, uh, not in the way you were using it, but a different perspective as I'm not sitting in front of my desk, writing out dialogue and stuff. I'm, I'm setting folks up to create the dialogue or setting folks up with a script to, to, to market something. Right. Cause that's, as a videographer, that's what I, that's my, that's what I do. That's my job. And so right. when you talk about using different perspectives or, or connecting to the work and making the work me, I'm looking at it from, from a different viewpoint or a different lens, as you say. And, and that is how am I creating this video and what do I bring to this video as well as what is my style? Right. A lot of uh, producers out there, directors out there have a style, especially movie directors. Right. And I'm sure you could talk about all the different the different directors (laughs) that have a certain view or a certain look or something like that. And as somebody who's creating these videos, I mean. After over time, as I've edited more stuff, my style has shaped to something that is me. Right. And whether or not, and the folks who are buying the material that I'm making, if they like that style, they're, they're buying part of my creative vision and that is me. And so finding new perspectives in the sense of that is I'm not putting my emotion into the character development unless I'm specifically writing that out. I am trying to build and, and make that emotion that's already there uh, a notch higher something so that the viewer can experience it more. Right. I, I don't really yeah. know. I think that's, that's tricky, but uh, yeah, I try to put words to it. it, it it's uh, to me, it sounds like it, it's basically the idea of greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Uh, is that how that phrase goes? Exactly. I, I, th- 
I don't know if that's how it goes, but I think that's what I'm trying to say correctly. And I don't know if we said it correctly. Retraction maybe next week, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is definitely a much more introspective conversation to be having, kind of existential in a way. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it, the point, I guess, if there is a point to be made is just, it's all about perspective. It's all about trying to find what makes yeah. your unique experience unique and trying to uh, inject some amount of uh, nuance in there to to help it become this other living product uh, that is more than just this one thing happened to me when I drove to work. It's, it's just about uh, trying to create a broader story through our right. emotions uh, well that yes. uh, that is able to connect with people more than than just the ramblings of a madman uh, and and things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, that's perfectly said. Yeah, I think I was trying to say that several times. You said it very nicely. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I think that is the gist of this whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I think this is basically a. a a separate edition of project therapy for us, or at least for me, because it's something that, that I, you know, struggle with now is how do I make this interesting, uh, without it just, uh, without it just becoming bits that I've taken from my life conglomerated in, into, uh, a script right. or something like that. It's, it's something that, you know, it, it's, it's, it kind of stays with you. And it's just something that you have to actively think about, um, or just, involve others and to uh work with you in the process and just have those those mix of perspectives that that breathe new life into something all right jacob now it's time for definitely not procrastinating what have you been up to or watching or consuming this week uh so this is something that uh actually xander uh who is on our 10th episode uh mentioned in his definitely not procrastinating but i had not watched it at this point uh, but this past week, I watched mm-hmm. all of Invincible, the Amazon animated oh. show, uh, talking about superheroes, okay. as you allowed me to do this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's a it's a star-studded show. Uh, it's an animated show about a superhero uh, or a teenager who becomes a superhero because his dad is this Superman-esque figure who came from another planet uh, and, and then stayed here, and, and so the son has powers and then he wants to become a superhero as well uh and that sounds like a standard mm. superhero story show whatever and you might think oh we have too many superhero things that just sounds like everything else but trust me we've talked about perspective a lot there is a unique take on this show it's eight episodes uh and it is it, it goes places that you don't expect it to, especially as an animated show. You know, animated series have uh, kind uh-huh. of a, a stereotype to them that they have this certain amount of vibe, whether it's like a Cartoon Network show or Nickelodeon show or an Adult Swim show. You know, the genres within animated shows all have the the vibes that people kind of uh, ascribe to them. But this has its own unique take on what it what it would mean to be a superhero uh, in the universe that they built. So it's a very good show on Amazon. Uh, like I said, star studded. It's got JK Simmons, Stephen Young, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Seth Rogen produced it. 
yeah, just a lot of really cool people lending their voices to this animated show. So, hmm. yeah, season one is all on Amazon right now. I, I recommend it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How about you, Nate? Yeah, so I guess I have to say this because it came out, but I watched the, the Friends reunion. <laughs> Friends reunion, yeah. right? I don't know what it's called. I think it's just the Friends uh, reunion. I don't have HBO Max. <laughs> Friend, it's not. It's not the friends. It's just friends. The reunion. Oh, okay. Like friends colon the reunion. Yeah, but I don't think there's a colon. Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, but well, that's strange. I actually to me. only watched. Uh, yeah, well, I only watched the last half hour of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyone out there can be like, "Oh, why didn't you watch the whole thing?" Well, I watched the last half hour of it because I was uh, with my grandparents and they were watching it and. We were talking about motion and stuff, and wow. yeah, It's nostalgia, right? It's sort of like looking back at a time in my life when I was watching these uh, shows. Uh, I was born in 97, right? So a lot of people out there would be like, oh, you're young. You don't even... right? <laughs> and they but, sound just like that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and when I was watching these shows, these, these 10 seasons of just endless... I mean, yes, they're... There's problems with it. Some of the shows didn't age well. Some of the stuff doesn't age well. But but I was able to think back to who I was as a person and, and what I was going through and all of that as well. I was watching those shows just by just by the snippets that, that they were showing. And, and, and there, enough on that. The <laughs> other kind of neat part and interesting part was they had all the characters there or most of the characters or at least all of the main characters, right? right. They were talking and uh, it's important to know that people age and, and time is valuable. And when I watched friends and when, when they were filmed, they were all, they were these young, young actors, really good looking actors. And, and now they're, they're older and, and you can see it, Right. And that's just important to know that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that it kind of adds to the the nostalgia of the show. You know, like the grass is greener kind of thing. I guess. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. it's it's just if you yeah. are so aware yeah. of how much of an impact something would have on your life, you would have paid attention more in the moment. But then that just allows you to remember back on them that much more fondly. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I watched the end of it, and uh, it's always sad when good shows end and shows that you can connect with, and uh, emotion, emotional shows. And you know, that last half hour, I was thinking about when I watched the final episodes and stuff, and it was emotional. So yep. that was that was my definitely not procrastinating for this week. Uh, little confession: I've never seen Friends. Oh. Uh, I watched one episode as part of a class in college, but that was oh, it. okay. Well, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoy the show. I do have to say that when it was created, it was a different time. And some of the stuff certainly, like I said, doesn't age well. It was just different. The jokes <laughs> sure. were different. There were It would not be politically correct a lot of things in the show. It was done in the 90s, right? Sure. I think you should certainly watch it. All right, Nate. Uh, where can the people find you? Should I tell them this week so that they don't like yell tweet at me saying that <laughs> Wait, what? you know like from what I was just talking about you can tweet at me and, and yell at me by all caps uh, oh, yeah. but now you can you can find me on Twitter at Nate Ulrich 16 and you Jacob uh, I am on Twitter at the 
or oh, I was about oh. to say the Jacob Novak. <laughs> nope, it's at Jacob Yesvac. <laughs> wow, I almost went on uh, autopilot. I think there. I think it was good that you said that because now we can understand the difference between the Jacob Novak and Jacob yeah. Yesvac. Yeah, and Jacob Yesvac just has so, so much more of a, a positive. Oh yeah, connotation. Oh to yeah, it. certainly or positive. Jacob Novak. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're going for. So that being said, be sure to tweet at me all uh, all about how angry you are that I've never watched Friends. Watch Friends. Or there like you that. go. There, and I was going to say, if you do search up Jacob <laughs> Novak, definitely take a look at that wrestler from the 90s. You get nice, good pictures. My of nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll get that Twitter handle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>